Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Fempeak. On this podcast, I speak to some of the most brilliant minds of our time to help us navigate emerging technologies leading to a socioeconomic singularity. Our guest on today's podcast is Lavinia D. Osborne, a blockchain and fintech thought leader and a LinkedIn top voice. She's also the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, an award-winning networking and educational platform that shines a spotlight on dynamic women in the blockchain ecosystem. Lavinia has also been a regular speaker and educator on the Fempeak platform, and we love having her on our sessions. So without further ado, let's hear from Lavinia B. Osborne. Before we start, I want to tell you about Athletic Greens, our sponsor for today's podcast. I started taking their AGI daily supplement because I work 14 to 15 hours a day and I needed a way to stay at my peak performance all the time. By now, I've been taking it for several months and I love it. I definitely feel more mentally alert and I seem to be more energized during my workouts. Honestly, it's no wonder that Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. I wanted to share this with you because I personally have been loving it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi everyone. Hi Somi. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. Uh, Somi is someone I've been following for a very long time, someone I respect and admire in the industry. So it's always great to have two brilliant feminine minds come together and add value to the world. So um, as touched upon, my name is Livinia Osborne. I'm the host and founder of Women in Blockchain Talks. I'm also the creator of a uh, up-and-coming startup called Crypto Queens, which is an NFT marketplace which will focus on diversity and inclusivity, um, putting a spotlight on women artists, 80%. So we're gonna have an 80-20 rule. So 80% women artists, 20% male, and non-binary because you know at the end of the day we are in a new world where uh, gender identity matters um, but unfortunately the numbers speak for themselves and there are not enough women coming in the space so you know if you see a problem and you have the passion to create the solution why not and in a way, that is how Women in Blockchain Talks started. I used to work for a blockchain company and I noticed quite evidently that there was not enough women in the space. And, um, you know, very male dominated, which is quite um, unsurprising if one wants to be honest, uh, considering it's tech and finance. Um, so after I left that company, I uh, took over a meetup group and um, I was like, what am I going to bring to the table? Because I'm not technical, but I am an entrepreneur and I have lots of different ideas and visions and gender equality, just equity generally across the board. Financial gender uh, ethnicity is so very fundamentally uh, important to me. And so um, I did my first event summer of 2019. And then I decided that there was a lot of women in blockchain groups and I wanted my 
group to stand out from the crowd. And I thought, well, how can it stand out from the crowd? And I thought to myself, let's call it Women in Blockchain Talks because women talk. We have a voice and it should be heard. In addition to that, there was a number of event organizers, blockchain conference organizers. And when you went to the events, it was just all men. And it was like, you know, the, the term manor <laughs> came up because it was just a all man panel. And it's like, where are the women? Well, we don't know where the women are. I says, okay, let me help you out with that. And so one of what I decided to do was interview two dynamic women who had already been establishing themselves in the blockchain um, ecosystem way before I even came along. And I would shine a spotlight on them and let their voices be heard, their stories, because our stories are important as, and our voices, as I touched upon, is important. And also representation matters. So sometimes when you see someone who looks like you doing something that you're interested in, it just gives one that, um, that bigger impetus to dive in, have a look for themselves and open the doors potentially for others to come in. And that's what we want as well that women in blockchain talks is also very different because we're open to all genders so we're women focused women led but open to all genders amazing i really like the manual <laughs> the, uh, the man panel no yeah. that that's really that's really cool uh, so when did you make your first investment in crypto when did you buy your first crypto because that's like you know it's uh it's it's one of those things that like it, it took me a long time. I, like I started in, uh, studying the blockchain technology uh, since 2018, but I didn't buy my first crypto until 2021, uh, in the beginning of 2021, uh, you know, February. And that for me, that was uh, the catalyst was the pandemic. Some people's journey to blockchain has been first they bought crypto, then they understood um, blockchain. Some people spent a long time understanding blockchain, then they bought crypto. And when I, when I first came across blockchain, I didn't think of the monetary side. The first thing I was really fascinated by was that this is going to disrupt Facebook and Google and Amazon. And that was the thing that I found exciting. So how about you? Yeah. So my background is in financial well-being. I wasn't an IFA. Um, independent financial advisor. So I never advise people on what to invest in. My stance was, you need to understand your relationship with money before you start investing in anything. You need to understand how you think, feel, and what you say about money, because it has an impact on the relationship that you have money. So that's what I was doing before I went into the blockchain space. And my focus once again was women. And um, when you're talking to individuals, but I was, you know, I dealt, I dealt with all, all individuals, but the focus was on women. And the reason for that is simply the data speaks for itself that most women will retire in poverty. A big part of that is the gender pay gap. Another part of that is that women will take time off to work to look after their children. Women have more lower paid jobs. Forget the gender pay gap. They have lower paid jobs. And so, of course, there's just not that um, uh, access cast to invest in a pension, so to speak. And even if they do, it's just not enough to cover what is required when, when, when one um, retires. So on understanding and reading this and, you know, uh, this this interest, this interest of mine was born from 2008, the uh, financial, the global financial crash 
And I just couldn't understand how so many smart and brilliant people not were affected. I mean, I was badly affected and I did all the right things. You know, I went to university, got a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but people were actually killing themselves off the back of the global uh, crash. And I was, it really, I don't know, as a human being, it really hurt me. And I just thought people need to have a better relationship with their money. I started to learn myself. I went on a, a path of discovery around financial literacy and financial education. And it's just not something that most of us are taught or is taught at school, particularly if you go to a normal everyday comprehensive school rather than say a prep or a private school. So with that being said, I started this uh, financial wellbeing consultancy. And when you are talking to individuals about their relationship with money, you're going to touch on the past, the present and the future. And of course, when you touch on the future of money, you need to understand what's happening in the marketplace. Um, and so in doing that, I understood, you know, we had the challenger banks coming up. Um, we had how we were moving away from cash to digital currencies. And then, of course, those conversations led to decentralization and Bitcoin. And I was like, well, what is Bitcoin? So I knew about Bitcoin, but did I really understand Bitcoin? No. Was there anyone around me who could really show me what Bitcoin was or introduce me um, to how to acquire it? No. So I heard about it in my grapevine, but there was, you know, you've got to remember back then, 2015, 2016, it was hackers and techies who were really in this space. And if you didn't know someone like that and not even know them, but trust them, then getting involved or investing was very, very difficult or challenging. And so um, being an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, you have your peaks and troughs. And I got burnt out very, very badly. And I had to take some time off. And, um, and then I had to reassess my situation. In that time, I started hearing about blockchain. And I was like, what's blockchain? And then I started reading about blockchain for good. And it really piqued my interest as someone is very much about equity, particularly. And um, I thought to myself, let me see if I can utilize my skill sets and get a job in the blockchain arena uh, for a startup. And I did. I was fortunate enough to get a job with a startup and it was a blockchain startup. And when was this? This was uh, 2017. And um, it was an amazing experience. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll always be grateful for that opportunity and the person who, you know, gave me that opportunity. And um, like I said, just being in that space, I was able to then connect with colleagues who had been investing and they were then able to say, Lavinia, this is what you need to do. And so it was at the back end of 2017 that I received my first NFT and uh, a crypto kitty, which was one of the first NFTs derivatives out there. You As still have it. Okay, there's an interesting story. I do. So it was printed on a piece of paper. I put that piece of paper down somewhere in my house and I have no idea where it is, but I know it's here. Wow. Um, because so, that's worth a lot of money now, isn't it? I know, I know, but hey, I am not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> 
misplaced, um, who has thrown away, you know, motherboards worth of Bitcoin, which for some people, they'd be millionaires today. Um, so I just think to myself, it will turn up when I really, really need it. So I trust the journey. I trust the universe, so to speak. But <laughs> Been was I was a recipient of a crypto kitty mm. and was an NFT collectible. And then, uh, like I said, my, my colleagues, they helped me invest in my first crypto. Um, and I bought Ethereum, Bitcoin and Litecoin. And um, then January 2018 came. What happened in January 2018? Crash. <laughs> crypto winter did you I, sell no i didn't sell oh. <laughs> I, I bought in december why would okay. i have sold? i didn't yeah. understand the market i didn't really understand what i was doing i was just taking the advice of my my colleagues who'd been in the space and seen their their assets increase you know yeah. Some of them had bought and sold bought again and sold um and then i you know and at the just before my investment had doubled and i was like Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then Crypto Winter came in and it was like, what? <laughs> crypto Winter continued for years, <laughs> you know. I even forgot about it, you know. I parked it and it was only one day I, I remembered and I thought, let me go and have a look at my, you know, my wallet. And the funds had very much decreased. Um, and at that time, I wouldn't say that I lost uh, faith in it. I just was like, I'm not seeing how this works for me. I didn't fully understand. If I know what, if I knew then what I know now, I would have just been doing uh, dollar cost averaging or yeah. averaging, you know, and I just would have continued to build on it just a small amount. Um, but at that time, I had other things going on as well. Please just tell me you still have those, though. <laughs> Of course I do. Oh, yeah. good. It was like a cliffhanger. I was like, what are you doing with these funds? Yeah, no, I still, I mean, like people in this space, I've got wallets galore. I've got a cold wallet. I've got assets in there. But to be quite honest, I've just parked and left it. You mm. know, and in the last year, I gained. And then, you know, when you start a business as well, especially a grassroots business that there's no investors. Yeah. You, investor what are you going to do you know you don't sit on it and just wait to become I'm not you know that's yeah, not yeah. what it's about for me um and so just like any asset you will sell a portion of it to invest into your business yeah that's why I invested 120,000 pounds into Fempeak before I started raising investment at the it's time when I spent 120 grand if I just bought bitcoin with it and waited you know it would be worth yeah, and then exactly. the company is worth 25 million now. So it's it's okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that is <laughs> impressive for me. Um, I can't say the same thing about Women in Blockchain Talks, but uh, give it a year or two. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence from companies such as Chief. I'm sure you must have heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 million plus and now they're a billion yeah. dollar business. And it's amazing to see that. Obviously, they're not blockchain, but they're women-led and they're community-led. And for me, that's very inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so back to the story. So um, you utilize some of the funds to build Women in Blockchain Talks. And now what you're doing with your investments, uh, are, you, are you still investing? Do you buy NFTs, for example? You know, like we know that anybody that watches this know this is not financial advice, but I'm just interested to know. Let's say, for example, if you have now 100K 
uh, or, or 50K. Let's start with 50K. Uh, what would you do with that? If I had 50K, a majority of it would go into my business. My business is my investment. And I would, just because it's good to diversify, I probably would take about between five and 10 to investigate some coins. Like I'm very much, I love what Cardano stands for, Solano, Matic. So I would look at, I mean, I invested in some Shiba Unu. It went up last year. Now it's gone down. So, you know, you win, you lose. But I'm not yeah. in this. I'm not in blockchain. I'm not in crypto simply for investing in crypto. I'm in it because I believe in the paradigm shift in which it brings. And I know whatever I do, be it investing NFTs, investing crypto, investing my business, I'm winning. That, that you know, yeah. the knowledge that I'm acquiring, um, the people that I am helping, the people that I'm inspiring, I'm winning. So to answer your question, I probably put about five to 10,000 in crypto and NFTs. Um, but right now, my objective is building the business and also crypto queens that requires, you know what it's like, the technical element that that requires a huge amount of, of import for the technical yeah. um, and to pay for the devs you know, again, yeah. grassroots. So with, with that being said, I know Crypto Queens is going to make an impact um, on the NFT market. At this present moment, I'm going through a court case, which you're aware of, Sami, and this court case is actually um, set. Uh, you, oh, you wasn't aware. So I have two boss beauties. Okay. Um, they were gifted to me when I did some work with them and they were stolen from my wallet. I won't say it was OpenSea's fault. So I just want to clarify that. But um, it was via OpenSea. And um, it was quite interesting uh, how they did it because with a smart contract, you have to show the smart contract that funds have been received in order to trigger the smart contract to release the NFTs to the new wallet. Um, so via my wallet, my MetaMask wallet, it showed that funds had come in, but there were no funds in my wallet. Do you see what I mean? So it showed an account, but there was no funds that came in because I know I would have had more funds in my MetaWorse wallet. But then on the blockchain, it shows that funds went in and directly went out. But on my MetaMask, it does not show that the funds went out. You see? Mm. So I have a uh, investigator. This is what they do investigating it and off the back of that investigation and just my contacts I took the case to the high courts the UK high courts England and Wales and they put an injunction against the persons unknown and basically history was made because cryptocurrencies were seen as property but not crypto or NFTs as a crypto asset um, and so what that basically means is that if someone steals your car and it, the car is sold on, and then the police find that car, the car would be returned back to you because it is your property initially. Mm. The middle person has lost out because they bought the car thinking it was all, you know, who knows, thinking it was all correct. But the property initially belonged to you. And so what my court case has done, and like I said, you know, it set legal history. Um, it's now stated that NFTs are property. And if they are stolen and you are in a position to go through the legal, uh, the, the legal process, irrelevant of where that property ends up, you have the right to claim it back. 
So my name is down in NFT legal history. <laughs> <laughs> so you are now hoping to get those two boss beauties back. Yes. The case is ongoing. You know, this is the first time this is happening. So, you know, it might take six months, a month, two years, who knows? And there's another interesting element that's just come out from the from the investigation that unfortunately I can't talk about. Okay. But when it is revealed, <laughs> it's quite mind blowing to be really? quite okay. It, I think what it shows is how small the NFT community is because it's to a big celebrity in the NFT space. When but it is small, right? Because um, around the world, only 300 million people have got a crypto wallet and only 100 million have NFTs. Sorry, only 1 million have NFTs. Right. Well, there you go. You know, because it's free to open up a wallet, right? But it's what you do with it. And which is why one of the things that we did at Women in Blockchain Talks, I don't know if you heard about this, um, but we created the world's first ever and i know for yeah i saw the i saw the thing yeah that uh, the nft minting party right exactly and which is something that you could do because you've got your own nft project yes what we do is not just talk about what nfts or how to create one but we want to get people who have opened those wallets and actually do something with it so we had over 100 people sign up they attended the event and then not everybody, but a group of people, of course, a handful of people went on to mint their butterfly, um, which is the, the NFT that we have in the Women in Blockchain. And you sell them, right? How much are they? So they're $60 and we can set the price. But, you know, there's this is a new project. Everything is so new in this space. Yes. It's all about testing and trying. And yeah, everything. exactly. Same with ours. Right, exactly. So that's what we're doing at the moment. But I think that if you're th still thinking minting party, what is that? Think of a Tupperware party, you know, the old fashioned Tupperware parties where people would bring their Tupperware, describe it, do a presentation on it, and then people would buy the Tupperware. It's the same thing. We're talking about what NFT is, what these butterflies are. And then we have a community within Women in Blockchain Talks for our butterfly holders, which will have and does have utility behind it. So that's what we've, we've created as an educational pathway to get people to actually take action and purchase an NFT. Um, so it goes back to what I was saying before, these things cost. <laughs> and so that's where most of my investment would go. Um, so with Crypto Queens as well, we are still looking to, uh, to build that. I'm very excited about that. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's, that is what my answer would be really. And yeah. to, to say again, one of the things we're doing as well, this may interest you, for me sharing is caring to me at this moment in time and especially as women entrepreneurs it's not about competition and that's what I really appreciate about Somi it's not about competition it's about a mission to bring as many particularly women into the space as possible and yeah. so one of the things that I've done I've got a crypto um a crypto workshop and I know you run workshops as well but off the back of the crypto workshops what we're doing is that we, or I have created, when I say we, it's a royal we as in Women in Blockchain Talks. <laughs> and um, we have created a crypto savings club. Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity for people to check in. It's about accountability. So if you want to do a thousand pounds a month, 50 pounds a month, five pounds a month, it's not my business. I don't care. What I care about is that each month on a set or on a weekly basis, because if you want to do it on a weekly basis or monthly basis, but just check in and say, hey, I've done my, you know, 
pound cost averaging or dollar cost averaging. And that way it makes people feel like they're not alone. It's very practical. Mm -hmm. um, And it's a great way for people to get started and hopefully keep going, you know? That's one of the other initiatives that Women in Blockchain Talks have put together and, and put forth. No, that's amazing. Fantastic. And also, look, we all have like slightly different approaches or different ways that we are building communities. This is such a huge space in the sense that, look, think about it. I mean, only 300 million people even have a wallet and only 1 million people have NFTs. So um, there's going to be so many more opportunities, you know, and, and we are going more in as I mentioned to you before, in a more of a B2B kind of route uh, and focusing more on like companies. Um, But we are still women-led as well, as you know. Um, Okay, no, this is very interesting. I'm definitely going to get one of the butterflies. So one of the things that we decided to do, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I had the option of making the NFTs, putting a price on them, because we are going to have an official drop and, you know, selling them. Uh, And then say, okay, with that, you get a membership of the platform. But then I thought a lot more about it. And I realized that so many people don't yet even have a wallet. They're just interested. They want to get their feet wet. I felt like this might be too much of a jump for them to go from, you know, a lot of them will be like, can I just buy a bloody membership, you know, <laughs> like, like not have to go through all these hoops to just be able to use your platform. So I decided not to include the membership of the platform with it. Let's say that, yes, you will get access to certain, um, you know, sessions and, and things like that, but make it free, um, make it free to mint so that people can just learn, you know, use it as a learning, uh, you know, opportunity. So would love to hear your thoughts. Like if you were advising, what would you do? I think that because your community has been born in Web.0 rather than Web.3.0, you have to give people time to stimulate um, and to um, understand um, the process and get their mind behind it. Um, If not, then you have the possibility of leaving people behind and people feeling like it's not a community for them. Yes. We are still at the beginning, in my opinion. We're not right at the beginning, but we're still at the beginning. I think there's a lot more mass adoption to be done because you stated the numbers, the data yourself. And I think what we are doing, and this is important, we are establishing ourselves because sometimes you have to establish yourself. So when the masses do come in, they have somewhere to go to. Hence why I want to create the Crypto Queen, or I am creating uh, the Crypto Queen NFT marketplace. We have to look at Web.30 in the same way to a degree of the Web.20. People ask me all the time, could this work? Could that work in Web.30? And it's like, well, if it worked in Web.20, why wouldn't it? There's always going to be niches. There's always going to be people who are interested in certain elements of a subject matter. You know, this is the metaverse blockchain is a subject matter in and of itself right and we're all getting our heads around it but within the space that we're creating of web.30 you're going to have car enthusiasts you're going to have makeup enthusiasts you know and they're going to want what they want i.e community and as we know within web.20 and web.30 community is huge lots of companies are starting to see the power of community community is very different from an audience 
And audiences who you perform to or sell to, but a community is something that you is, is an entity of people who who are engaged and want to engage, right? So it's a very different beast. And so with that being said, I think education, education, education is paramount. So if you're able to offer your community members the option to learn and do it in a cost-effective way, i.e. free, minting, I think you're on the right track. Yeah, it was a big decision because it cost me quite a lot of money to get it to the point that we got. Uh, It's a 10K collection, you know, the time and money that took to develop it, you know, then then pay my developer, getting it on the blockchain, and you know the cost, right? Cost me basically several ETH, probably about 10 ETH, just to get the thing up and running. And that's a lot of money in for a startup, right? And it's on uh, Ethereum as well, which is, again, as you know, everything is expensive. So what I would have said, you asked me in an advisor role, and in no point is this a criticism. It's just for those listening. Why I didn't go with Polygon. <laughs> yeah, Matic, because, you know, for me, there's a difference. If I was going to do a NFT uh, project that I want to mint and make money from, right? Not as a community leader, just as I've got this idea, I would probably go down the Ethereum because it's a pure sort of transactional project. I thought a lot about that's actually a very good opportunity to explain that. And you can tell me, you know, what you think as an expert and advisor yourself. But I remember you mentioned about Polygon and and actually Tara Anderson also said, go with Polygon. Uh, She's also somebody that I highly recommend. But I decided to go with Ethereum <laughs> because, first of all, we will make money from it because I, I think that even if we give it away for free, people will resell it. There is a seven and a half percent royalty built into it. Um, and as our community grows, there will be a follow up collection coming up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next one will not be free, but it gives me a lot more time to educate a lot of people, you know, and teach them about the gas fees. And this is how you mint it. The security of it, I just got scammed. I don't know if you saw on my um, on my post. I got scammed. I lost two and a half ETH um, when I was trying to mint. Uh, I'll send you the video. I made a, a YouTube video about it. I was trying to mint my uh, Moonbird and uh, I clicked on the wrong link. It looked exactly the same, exactly the same. Like they, they had completely redesigned the website with just like one letter, you know, one small difference. Uh, I click, clicked on that, it just gave away my two and a half ETH. And then, oh my God. And then I was like, oh my God. I was so lucky that I didn't keep more ETH in my wallet because the way they had designed it, I kept clicking on it and it kept wanting to take more money off my yeah. wallet, but there wasn't more money. So then my, my wallet locked because like it wouldn't let me even cancel this transaction. It said, you don't have enough money to cancel this transaction. Oh my God, it was like such a stressful thing. So it was on Saturday. I uh, messaged my blockchain developer. He jumped on a Zoom call with me. He get, got me to make some changes to the settings. You know, Then I was able to send some money to myself and cancel that transaction. Um, and then I had to get more ETH to buy the bloody bird. And, and I bought the bird. So basically, I spent five ETH instead of two and a half ETH to buy the bird. But the bird is now 20 ETH. <laughs> so, so, I'm, so I'm still like, I'm still lucky that I got it. But with all of those things, you know, these are all things that we can teach our audience so that it's going to be a free mint. So they get an opportunity. We want to build a community. And, and you know, I'm not in a hurry to make money from the NFTs. I think that it will come over time. Um, I agree. 
you know, right now the focus is I'm happy to give it away for free just to teach people in the process. You know, this is what it is. And especially I want to go to companies and say, look, this is an opportunity. Let's say, for example, to broadcast companies, you know, they're going to need to learn about these things. You know, it's an opportunity for them to teach their, their audiences. So what's your experience has been with companies? Because I know that you're doing some collaboration with Barclays. Oh, and the other question I wanted to ask you is what's your opinion about the recent announcement that the UK government is opening up to crypto and NFTs, there will be a, a Royal Mint NFT. So what, what's your reaction to that? Okay, so yeah, I work with a, I've worked with a number of companies um, in regards to just talking about NFTs and doing a lot of speaking across a number of platforms, um, which is absolutely great. Some of them are uh, female-led platforms, such as Albright. So that's, that, that's been a great experience to be able to work with them. Um, then in addition to that, Barclays, I mean, Barclays are very forward-thinking. They're one of the oldest banks or oldest branded banks in the world. But they are very much on the pulse of fintech, right? And they have been for a long time. you got rise Barclays rise which is very fintech orientated and that is who we are doing um our one day international women's day um event which you're speaking at Sami, and i'm very excited to to have you there um and if you're wondering international women's day yeah well we're continuing the conversation because the conversation that we have is not just for international women's day Breaking or break the bias is something that we need to continually have, particularly in the fintech finance blockchain space and across the board. Um, so I'm sure Sami will be uh, putting a link to that event, uh, which is on May the 11th um, at the bottom or when this uh, recording is um, released. So um, I'm always very happy to collaborate with Rise Barclays because I just think they're very forward thinking. They're very well established and global, which is important to me. Legacy banks, you know, you adapt or die, right? But they're not going to give their power away, hence why CBDCs exist, central bank digital currencies. And so it's an element of having a digital currency, but without decentralization. You know, banks epitomize centralization. Which defeats the purpose. Right. <laughs> purpose however there are going to be a lot of people in society who don't want decentralized currency it's like well who who does it belong to who do i need to talk to if i have a problem with it they're going to want cbdc and so for me in my opinion as long as there's no regulation that stops us and i don't think that ever can be but you know regulation is a is a is a very tricky regulation and compliance and law which falls under law how it's utilized can be for the good and the bad is, you know, it can be used to restrict the movements and the choices of individuals. It doesn't necessarily remove the choice, it just restricts the choice. Um, so my thing is that would I use a CBDC? Probably not, but if I needed to, maybe because I'm gonna get better value for my money using a CBDC, because it's government related, you know, the tax or something like this. And of course, but generally my go-to is always going to be Ethereum and Bitcoin and decentralized currencies. But there's going to be a lot of people out there who don't care about decentralization and what it stands for. They're just like, okay, this is, because this is a thing. 
for those who are listening, and I'm sure you've done a, a, a talk or a recording on this, the history of money is vast. If you look at the dollar, the dollar used to be backed by gold. In gold, we trust it's stated on the note. And then changed to in God, we trust because they removed the gold. It was no longer backed by gold. And so once the gold was gone, it was in God, we trust. Right. And, and then it became a fiat currency, which basically means that it's not backed by anything. And fiat currency also is a term relating to uh, the trust. Fiat means in Latin trust. So it's the government trust to say this amount of money stands for what it states on the on the note. And if you look at a British note, it says permissionary notes. So permissionary notes are a form of money. Digital currencies are a form of money. Decentralized digital currencies is a form of money. Right. So money has changed and evolved. And so I think that the legacy banks they have to evolve with the times, but they're just going to do it in a way that they retain power. Mm. And what that looks like in the future, I just cannot say. So that's what my thoughts are there. Um, and then in regards to the Royal Mint, I mean, it's quite interesting, but I think it's a good idea as well, only because people trust that brand. So if it helps people, or if it opens the door for people to start learning about NFTs, then I think it could be a great pathway for them to then learn about the real... Uh, the real stuff. <laughs> it's a pathway for people to learn on a mass form. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I agree. So they haven't given much more information about this whole Royal Mint and, and you know, exactly what is going to be. Is it going to be open to everybody? Is it like, are you going to be paying in ETH? Are you mm. going to be paying in SCBDC? Like, it will be interesting to see, is it going to be on, you know, the usual open season things? Like, probably not, I'm guessing. I think it's going to take a little while, only because if you think about anything with the government, it's convoluted. I mean, how much money has been wasted on the HS2, um, which was like a rail line or something like this, and how much money has been wasted on new government um, IT programs. So I think it's going to be a convoluted affair, interesting one. So I'll be in the metaverse sipping my tea, <laughs> watching, watching the progress, you know, as we keep on moving. And that's what we just need to do, keep on moving and doing what we need to do. Exactly, exactly. And also the other thing about this whole announcement is the timing of it, right? It was literally a few days after the European Union was like nearly saying that they were going to ban proof of work, which is like, you know, it, it feels like they came out and said something different. And I, I think I make this connection between Brexit and, you know, like now I feel like the UK is trying to say we are pro-crypto. And hey, look, you know, being uh, out of the EU is to our benefit because we can decide for ourselves if we want to adopt crypto. We don't have to be worried about, you know, what the, the rest of the EU says. So if there's anything good that may have come out of Brexit may be this, right? And, then, and and this could be an opportunity for the UK government to kind of justify Brexit. Justify and lead the way. Yes. And, and the UK does have a very long history of leading from the front. So, you know, that in and of itself is keeping in line with what the UK, Britain stands for, ultimately. That yeah, and remember, I mean, we were 
when I say we, like I'm an immigrant, uh, so I wasn't here. I wasn't born, brought up here, but I'm a British now. So I say, I can say we, we are leading the way in AI, you know, with Alan Turing and, you know, there's so many other, like Charles Babbage, like they, they are all British, you know, uh, British people have a, have a habit of starting something and then not finishing it. And then Americans finish it and they're like, they get the story. But hey, if you think about um, America and its history, it stemmed from Britain anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Okay, so no, this has been very interesting. So Crypto Queens is great. You know, that's what you're working on. But like, how are you funding it? You know, because we have got some great people who listen to this who may take interest in what you're doing. So are you using NFTs to fund it? Are you, like, what's the plan with that? Um, At this present moment in time, I'm not looking at using NFTs to fund this. I really want to build something that is going to be robust and it's going to stand the the test of time. Like I said, you know, I'm not in this space just to make money. I'm in this space uh, for a reason. Don't say that to investors. (laughs) Okay. So put it this way. (laughs) Money will be made. But it's got to be, for me, what does blockchain stand for? It stands for equity. It stands for fairness. It stands for transparency. So if I'm making money, it has to be in that line. It's, it's very based on the integrity. Um, and I'm not saying doing NFTs is not going to be based on integrity because we definitely want to go down the tokenization route because it's blockchain. It makes sense. However, I really need to think about for the longevity and the robustness of this platform because that should also be very important to investors. What is the best way of doing that? So, I mean, if investors are interested, then please, you know, uh, please contact me because, again, I am not just somebody who's in this space talking about it. I'm someone who's leading a leading case, legal case that has set history. So I'm not playing, you know. So if you're ready to uh, get involved, then I'm all ears, you know, like everything starts from a conversation, right, Sami? Yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. So we will have you back on the podcast when the platform is ready to be announced to the world. Our audience is growing as well. So uh, hopefully by then we will have an even bigger audience. Um, And yeah, no, that's, that's all very exciting. Is there anything else you would like to leave our audience with in terms of you know, where to follow you, where to buy your butterflies? So our butterflies can be found at uh, women.artwork.rocks. And the ones that are on OpenSea, those ones have been minted, but we are, I didn't mention this, but we're looking to do a hybrid. And so we've been in talks with the community to get their feedback. The community has come back and they've said, yes, they think it's a good idea. And like I said, everything is being tried and tested. So we are looking at doing a hybrid collection. So we've got 10,000 butterflies, taking 5,000 of them and putting them on OpenSea. And then, of course, they're going to have their different elements of uh, scarcity that makes it unique. Mm. Um, And then the other half will be part of the process of the minting parties yeah um, but right now if you want a butterfly then it's women.artwork.rocks and you just purchase your matic and you can start collecting the beautiful thing about our project is that you know when we thought of butterflies it's all about collection right yeah. so you collect your butterflies and then afterwards you can go through it 
and then you will mint each of them for $60. And so you put the matic in your wallet um, and you can use MetaMask and go through there. And of course, any questions, let us know. We are here to help. So this is a collaboration project with the developers, of course, and the project manager, VJ Taylor. He is absolutely wonderful. And once you do purchase a butterfly, then you can become part of our butterfly community. And like I said, there's lots of utilities coming. Um, so just to end, I would just say, again, we've got another minting party, NFT minting party with the butterflies, of course, on May 24th. We have the event with Somi. I can't wait to have you. And then we also have a three day, which I really want Somi to come to, but she says that she won't be able to take herself away. <laughs> but we're looking to do well, we're not looking. We are having a three day summit, um, Women in Blockchain Talk Summit, and it's going to be a retreat on the island of Cyprus and it's an opportunity for women or from anywhere everywhere to come there's going to be a children's club so bring your children bring your families the date is the 19th to the 21st of September with a pre-party on the evening of the 18th and the reason why I chose Cyprus you know why I chose Cyprus for me the weather is good <laughs> um, the University of Nicosia is, is based there. And the University of Nicosia, they are well-established, well-respected worldwide providers of a digital asset and blockchain course that many people around the world have taken. And so I thought I wanted a place that promotes blockchain or the education of it at least. Um, and again, it's Europe and it is a beautiful place and I just wanted something beautiful for women and what is going to make this different again this event is open to all genders but we're going to have women speakers and remember I, start, I said at the beginning how I was going to conferences and it was just man manuals and even now when you go to conferences they are very male orientated and if you see women you might have a female a woman guest speaker or you may have an all women guest um, panel, but they're talking about diversity or something like this. I don't want that. We talk about everything across the ecosystem of blockchain. And so I don't want a woman up there talking just because she's a woman. I want her to be up there talking because she knows what she's talking about and what she has to say is just as valid as a guy saying it, so to speak. So. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely very important. Okay, this is all very exciting. So people will check you out on your uh, LinkedIn. What's your Twitter handle? Handle tell people is at Lavinia Osborne. You also have at WIBT Talks. So the T Talks. Yeah. So WIB Talks. Um, so you can find me on Twitter then, and of course LinkedIn. There's also a Women in Blockchain Talks company page. You can also find me on Facebook, but we're not that active on Facebook, I have to say. Yeah. But also Instagram. Um, and uh, I have to say, it's just so overwhelming using social media sometimes. So my focus yeah. is LinkedIn and Twitter. So those are the best places. And of course, you can you know send an email info at Women in Blockchain Talks. And then there is Women in Blockchain Talks, the website. And then we have on the homepage steps to, um, to get involved. We have a community, a free community, and we have paid memberships. We have the Butterfly community. So, yeah, we, we offer a number of things. All right. Thank you so much, Lavinia. And I will be continuing to check your progress and we will report back. We'll have you again. Perfect. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lavinia D. Osborne. Be sure to follow her on LinkedIn and Twitter and check out her fantastic content. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full reviews are also available on my YouTube channel.